This is the Think Courageously podcast. I'm your host, Deb Cummins-Stilato, and I'm here to challenge successful women like you to find the courage to make pivots so that you can ignite your life and expand your limited thinking about change. I'm a certified life and leadership coach, and I'm excited to share my stories and insights into igniting energy from within. When I was a kid, I had a poster on my wall with a quote from Helen Keller, life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. Are you ready for a daring adventure? Are you looking for the best version of yourself? If so, you're in the right place. Let's embrace the adventure of sparking potential together. Well, hello and welcome to the Think Courageously podcast. I'm your host, Deb Constellato, and today I'm so excited to have Monica Cox as our very special guest. Monica is a top holistic functional fertility coach and infertility warrior. She supports women in finding the root cause of their fertility issues and becoming the conscious mother they were born to be. She dealt with years of unexplained infertility, failed IVFs, and survived several miscarriages before becoming an IVF mom and getting pregnant naturally, even though the doctor said there was nothing she could do to improve her situation. Hmm. Author of the best-selling journal, Boost Your Embryos, and host of the highly popular podcast, Finding Fertility, Monica is dedicated to inspiring women to look beyond their infertility diagnosis and take control of their health. Her signature online program, The Fertility Formula, and personal fertility-focused coaching has helped women increase their chances of creating the family of their dreams. I hope you will welcome Monica with all the love and excitement that she brings into this world. And now... It's on to the show. Well, hello again, everybody. And as you heard in the intro, I'm so thrilled to have Monica Cox on the show today. Uh, Monica and I met through the crazy universe of podcast collaborators. And this topic that we're going to explore today, Monica, is one that just really resonates for me. Um, and I know will really resonate for so many women who are listening to the show. And as I mentioned in the um, intro, you are a holistic functional fertility coach and infertility warrior. Love the word warrior. Uh, so I'd love you just to start today with my favorite question to start the show with, which is how did you end up in the chair that you're in? And let me know the chair you're in is in Hawaii, but (laughs) Never mind. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think like a lot of people, it was a personal journey, personal experience that led me to being sat here where I am. Um, when I was 27, pretty young, um, I had been married already for like five or six years and um, we tried to start a family and we couldn't, we could not get pregnant and there was nothing wrong with us, or at least that's what the doctors kept telling us. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. We are fit, healthy and, um, diagnosis with unexplained infertility and sent us to do IVF. Um, and at that time we were pretty naive. So we just listened and followed along and, um, 
that's when life really made us pivot. It showed that I had extremely low aid quality for a 30 year old and it was still unexplained. And they told me that there was just nothing I can do. Just try IVF again. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what or why or how, but in that doctor's office, in that meeting, I just, just thought, no, that's complete BS. There's gotta be something. Um, and that sent me on my journey of um, discovering that your body is one and that your normal and common health issues are actually big warning signs. And for some people who are genetically, you know, dispositioned to certain things, they can have an effect on your fertility. You know, it's really frustrating to watch women who maybe seem a little bit unhealthy um, you know, compared to yourself, not struggling, but yet you are. Um, so very long story short, <laughs> I'll keep it brief. Um, we you don't did have to keep up... it brief. This is your time. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I changed up my diet and a little bit of my lifestyle. We did another round of IVF because I still wasn't even getting a whiff of a, pro a positive pregnancy test. Um, and I improved my embryo quality. We got embryos this time, but I still didn't make it to day 28. And that's when we demanded some autoimmune testing. And even though I wasn't presenting like a normal case, I actually had very elevated natural killer cells, which everyone has. Everyone has high or natural killer cells. This uh, wards off, you know, diseases and viruses and helps you fight things off. But when they're super elevated, it starts attacking your body. This is why a lot of people have like thyroid issues, um, joint pain, you know, any autoimmune issue is linked to this like high inflammation. And for me, how it was expressing was low egg quality and my body just reject, rejecting the embryos. So the moment the embryos would attach, my body would go for an agent, for an agent, which most bodies when they're in harmony, know that that foreign agent, that embryo is allowed to be there. Um, and so we did uh, three rounds of frozen embryo transfers with autoimmune suppressing drugs. And I was on my own personal journey of um, discovering what I can personally do to um, you know, improve my situation. I got pregnant three times. Um, I had one live birth, so I have an IVF baby. And um, after my second miscarriage, um, I got pregnant naturally with our second son. So when that happened, it was this big aha moment for me. I had already been studying functional diagnostic nutrition, um, gut health, adrenals, endocrine system. I, I was really going to use this information. I was in early education at the time, so I thought, oh, I can help children. I decided I didn't want to work with parents. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I was like, okay, there's something to this. This isn't just luck. This isn't just one of those things. Um, I it's not a miracle. I literally can scientifically prove how I reversed my autoimmune issue and got pregnant naturally. And women need to know this information. They need to know that there are things, whether or not they need medical assistance or choose to use medical assistance, that they're literally the only ones that can improve their aid quality. And that is the, probably, I would say, the most important thing that people should be focusing on um, because 
the reality is that's the future, your future child and your future child starts developing and, um, actually in your grandmother's womb, right? So all mothers have their eggs developed in their grandmother's womb. So you got to really look at the human evolution as, um, this crazy, slow growing seed. If you keep a seed in a really crappy environment, it's not really going to produce, it might grow right? You might get pregnant, you might stay pregnant, you might have a baby. But what, how is that developing? How is it going to really put down its roots? How is it, you know, branch is going to grow in the future. And when you have your offspring, and you keep continuing this cycle, it is kind of a recipe for a disaster. And my generation, I guess I'm an elder millennial, or I was born in 81. Um, it's kind of really the first generation to see these health issues, you know, come to fruition really early in life. Like I had this, I had this issue at 17. If I can look back and go see all my normal health issues really, you know, come into play, I was really sick. And, you know, I was just growing up in a normal society, right? Like I wasn't, an outlier. I didn't have this extreme unhealthy life. I was just normal, but, um, I can easily look back at the generations and go, I, I get it. <laughs> I get why I was dealing with this issue now. So I'm going to just say that is totally fascinating. I don't think at my uh, tender age of 60, that that concept of, you know, egg health was ever anything that anybody was talking about. Um, and I'm curious because this is really interesting, right? Uh, I think this concept of you develop your eggs from your grandmother, so to speak. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not sure much about my grandmother's, um, not really, I don't have any information about that, nor would they probably have ever talked about it. Right. They would never in that generation, they would never have said to their, to my mother, if they had an issue, right. It just was not a sign of the time, let's just say. And then my mother actually um, got pregnant and had twins in between my brother and I. And the twins were born at like five months and they didn't survive because in those days, right? Like mm. 60 years ago, the quality of you know, neonatal care was different. Um, we just didn't know, right? We just yeah. never got there. Um, and then when I always, I always had issues. I never had regular cycles, all that kind of stuff that started pretty early thinking back on it. Um, and then when I wanted to start a family, when my ex-husband and I wanted to start a family, you know, we, in those days, 32 years ago, as of two days ago, um, uh, you know, I was shot up with Clomid, one of the worst experiences of my life. I'm going to say awful, yeah. so yeah. painful, um, so demeaning, right? So, so much stuff around the pressure. And, and I do think in so many ways that part of my journey impacted the quality of my marriage, which did not survive. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and same old story. Like people always think it's like that fun story of we stopped trying and we got pregnant. Um, so 
you know, my daughter is the result of that stopping trying, having, having had enough of the emotional piece of it. And so it's an interesting concept to think about it. I have never thought about it from that perspective. And now I have a daughter who's thinking about having children. And so um, I'm wondering, so I think this work is really fascinating. And I think this holistic piece is super fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering if you could tell us more about the work that you're doing with women. Yeah, so it's really just about discovering um, where in the body, right? Your fertility doesn't act on its own. So I don't know why we're hyper-focusing on looking at the lady bits, because the fact of the matter is it's literally run by your gut, by your liver, your adrenals, your thyroid, your hypothalamus, your pituitary, you know, like you have this whole system that starts from the top and literally works down to the bottom. So with the holistic, there's it's two approaches, holistic and functional, and they're, they're separate, but combined. So there's the physical, and then there's the mental and the emotional. And you know, through your own journey, that the mental and emotional was probably your big stressor, right? Where some people is physical things like I had extreme leaky gut, it did not matter what affirmations, what holistic practices I was doing, I had to do physical work to heal my gut. And so um, my job really is to help women see where they need to actually hyper-focus. Because yes, most people need to do everything underneath the umbrella, but they don't have to do it to perfection, right? Like you really want to hone in on what is your major stressor. So if it's diet, like you want to just go in and go, okay, you're not going to focus on anything else until you get confident in this diet. Yeah, you might have to do a little bit of mindset work to stop telling yourself that you're a crappy cook or this diet isn't working or things like that. Or if it's your mental and emotional health, you know, you just need to give yourself grace, you know, eat a clean diet, but maybe not hyper-focus on it and just work on, you know, those past traumas or the, um, you know, the, maybe the stress levels that you have, like maybe in your marriage, at your work, with your family, and just focus on those to bring down those stress levels and really allow your body to start healing yourself. I would say, I would go as far to say that like 98% of women dealing with fertility issues, it's mental and emotional that has turned into physical stuff. Yeah. So it's really um, important to work with someone that's going to sit down and just ask you questions. A doctor, one, is never trained to ask and maybe doesn't even believe that those things matter. And two, just doesn't have the time, right? It, that's just not how they're set up to work. They're not looking at the root cause. They're just like, well, how can we fix this with, you know, drugs or surgeries or procedures? Um, which do work, you know, we're not denying that they don't work, but um, the statistics are out there already that IVF babies are 30% more likely to have autism, ADHD, food sensitivities, um, you know, kind of these normal common health issues that we're seeing more and more with our children. And the fact of the matter is, it's not the IVF procedures, it's because we're pushing women's bodies to do something that the woman's body is like, look, I can, I'm barely keeping you alive. I cannot grow another human being. 
And when you jump that process, that early stage of pregnancy, which is like really important to be like, okay, we can do this right at a small seed, I can maintain this. And as everyone knows, pregnancy is like one of the hardest things a woman is ever going to do. And if you're only working at like 50%, 60% capacity, and you've had all these drugs and medication to bypass those important stages, your health, the baby's health is just going to suffer because you don't have enough to give to the both of you, right? So you're both going to suffer on, and this isn't set in stone. I'm not saying obviously like this is not like how everyone ends up, but it, the statistics are, are big enough to kind of try to get people to wake up. You know, these procedures aren't bad, but the health of our, of our mothers and our um, children is at stake here. And it's our generation, my generation that um, is seeing the big effects because it's a slow process, right? It's, like, so I'll just give you like my personal history. My grandmother had nine children within 11 years, no twins, right? So that's insane. My mom was number six. She's an Irish twin. And um, she always dealt with hormonal issues. I'm pretty sure she had endometriosis, PCOS, she never, you know, she in the 60s, 70s, 80s, like never got the support she needed because like, like, you know, that information just wasn't out there. Right. Um, she was lucky to get knocked up by my dad unexpectedly twice when she was 20 and 21. So pretty young. So she had me and my brother easily, right? She had a hysterectomy at 32. And when they went in there, they're just like, we don't even know how you got pregnant. You, you like, you only have one ovary. Like it was a mess down there. And so, because I personally believe that um, her mother didn't have enough to give to her. And then she started growing up in this time. She was lucky. She grew up in the 50s, 60s, 70s before the 80s and the 90s of really the toxic impact. But it started getting that way. And then the mental and emotional stress of being one of nine, <laughs> like, you know, like your mom and dad just really weren't there for you. Um, and so when she had me, um, they were very poor. They didn't know anything about nutrition. She always talks about how she, they lived off of popcorn and potatoes. Um, it was secondhand smoke. My dad, well, she was a smoker. My dad was a smoker. She stopped when she was pregnant, but still lots of secondhand smoke. Um, and then just the generational trauma stuff too. So when we were born, you know, just, we had a beautiful family, but they, they were babies when they had babies. Right. So it does not surprise me that I was genetically set up to express an autoimmune issue at the age of 16 and 17. Right. And because I didn't know and I didn't have the support around me, I thought everything was normal. It's just one of those things. Gas, bloating, diarrhea, you know, IBS, like all these things, joint pain, brain fog, crazy PMS. But I was still regular, regular on my cycle. And I was still ovulating. So um, 
So that's why the genetic factor is so important. And I am very grateful for infertility now because it gave me time to clean myself up mentally and emotionally and physically. Um, because the fact of the matter is, and I mean, this is just me being brutally honest, I would have been divorced and a single mom, as you know, like having kids completely changes every single dynamic of your personal self and your relationship. And I was not mentally there to be present for all the things that comes along with being a mom and a wife of I, my husband was a pilot in the Air Force, so he was gone loads. So I think when women are able to um, take a really crappy situation like infertility um, and realize that they actually have the time to start working on the things that they didn't need to know, they didn't know they needed to work on. Because in my experience, even though I was very healthy and I was at a better mental and emotional state, um, my especially my second child started triggering things I didn't even know were issues from my childhood. And because I had the knowledge to go, okay, something's going on here, I'm going to go seek the support I need, instead of just like repeating the old patterns that my parents, you know, did. So just having that awareness just really helps you move through the stages of your life. Yeah. I, I, one of the models I use all the time in coaching, right, is, you know, we all encounter circumstances. Mindset work is we all encounter circumstances. There's always a core thought and emotion. There's always a feeling attached to it. And there's always an action and a response. And, um, it's funny, I, I did, it was doing a, a retreat last week for about 35 women. And we were talking about this concept of a sage mindset, a sage mindset, which is, uh, some of the work I do around positive intelligence and the sage mindset is foundationally based on every challenge is a gift and an opportunity, right. And that you have the opportunity to learn from it. So, the mindset piece is uh, pretty, pretty interesting and pretty connected to what you're talking about. Um, I'm curious. I'm really curious about this. So when your clients come to you, have they already been diagnosed, have a di infertility diagnosis, or they're in the early stages of thinking about it? I mean, what is the continuum um, of the women that you're working with? Yeah. Uh, so most of the time, and I totally relate to this because this is why I started doing it, is desperation, right? Um, I think there are more younger girls. I've had girls in my course as young as 22 who are a little bit more aware of like, you know, the doctors just, they're not speaking truth anymore, right? I think the younger generation is kind of catching on to this, but most of the time it's desperation. They've tried everything else and it's not working, right? Mm -hmm. They've tried IVF, they've tried IUI, they've tried this diet, they've tried that diet. Um, so what, or, you know, they've been diagnosed and told they can't, 
right? You can't improve your egg quality. You have, you know, um, premature, premature ovarian failure, nothing you can do about it. So I think they come to me um, out of desperation and hope and that, that my own personal journey and what I'm actually also saying, um, talking about the holistic and the functional side resonates with them. I talk a lot about intuition. And if you've been brought to a certain place, or if your gut is literally telling you this is not true, that doctor is, you know, I thank you for your information. I understand it's coming from a good place, but that does not resonate with me. I'm going to try something else. So I would say 90% of the time it's pure like desperation and a hundred percent of the time they walk away completely happy that they've come not because they're pregnant and they have a baby, but they finally see that this journey wasn't necessarily about getting and staying pregnant. It was about becoming more whole and becoming, um, you know, really strong within their power as a woman and that they can literally change the future for their children now. So um, to me personally, the baby is the cherry on top now, <laughs> even though I know that's the ultimate goal and that's why people come to me. But my job, um, I don't really fix people's fertility. You know, that is a byproduct of all the mental, emotional and physical work we do in other areas of the body. Um, so, yeah, it's unfortunately, I wish I can get to people before they have to go through that mental and emotional trauma. I believe it is. And I and I do believe that um, we'll get to a point where people will start seeing, you know, how many thousands of dollars you have to spend, how much time, how much emotional stress you need to go through these doctors before um, it's, you know, like, I almost think it's like malpractice. It's just like you keep pushing these women um, to do procedures that aren't working. And especially the older ones, you know, if you get over 38, I mean, the 40 year olds that come to me, they're like, oh, my doctor said I needed IVF yesterday. And I was just like, well, that's not going to help you. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. it might co collect a bunch of aches for you, which maybe you do need, but there's a lot of other steps you can do before you get to that stage. Yeah, it strikes me as you're saying this, that this label, right, this, there's, there's this conversation around, if you don't get pregnant in six months, come back to me. Mm -hmm. And that seems to me to be an absolutely ridiculous conversation in, in, this, in this fertility conversation. Like the label of infertility happens so early on yeah. in the trying part of the process. And I think women today, um, we're, you know, I heard this the other day. I was talking to somebody about this today. There's a new CDC recommendation. I love this, that women, um, that people over 65 should be, get screened for anxiety. And I was like, why 65? <laughs> like literally like many people at 65 are retired and they're living their best life. And how many children and children of friends do I know that are in therapy now, right? Because, yeah. because we've been, there's so much going on in the world and it's almost 
what I'm hearing you talk about is um, you're being sort of this cycle disruptor um, in the role that you're playing and like literally and figuratively, right? Like you've mm -hmm. got to, you've got to break free of something before you get in that terrible um, self-deprecating conversation of I'm not good enough as a woman, right? I'm mm -hmm. not enough. Um, every, this seems like the easiest thing to do. I've been trying not to get pregnant my whole life, right? That all of that self-talk around this topic is, it's really powerful. It's really powerful. And I would say, unfortunately, a large part of our community attaches so strongly to that narrative that I've had major backlash if I tell people like, look, most of us aren't infertile. Like you're not infertile. I don't even care if you got donor egg and you had the procedure IVF and you, but you still gave birth. You're still fertile. You still gave birth to that child. You still carried it. Only the people who can call themselves truly infertile are women with no wombs or no ovaries or men with absolutely no sperm. Right. But yet we're deemed, we're told that we're infertile if we can't get pregnant naturally within a certain amount of time. And it's just complete BS. And the care of infertility is is so below. But I, I think that's like for many people, right? And unfortunately, because we we steered off um, a path of holistic living within our communities with connection with the earth, you know, and then we got bombarded with toxins and medication. It was it was eventually going to be this big storm. And unfortunately, the people who are paying for it are, you know, generations um, who had no choice and had no awareness because our generations before us were not taught these things, right? Like the reason why we have so many millennials and Gen Zs in therapy and dealing with anxiety even though we're living a pretty amazing life and don't have the hardships that our previous generations did, it's because we're still not allowed to like talk about emotions or feelings or, you know, like what's going on in the world. And um, our, the generations before us just didn't realize that trauma travels with us. Yes. Right. You, you stop beating me, right? Like your parents, my, my mom's parents beat her. You didn't beat me. Thank you for not beating me, but you still brought that mental and emotional with you and it translated into me and I got to deal with it, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and I got to figure yeah. that out. So um, once we get aware of that, um, it's going to be a pretty easy transition, but the, I think the main thing most people know is like, and what I've learned the past, like maybe six months to a year is really stop identifying with the things that you, you don't want in your life anyways, but they're safe and your ego like attaches to them. But these old narrative stories that we still continuously say, like, I grew up poor or my mom didn't do this, or I'm infertile, you know, like the more you keep expressing that the more it's just going to be in your life and be a part of you. Um, 
And I know it's not easy to reprogram the subconscious mind um, with uh, kind of traditional methods. There's some great, like emotion freedom tapping is great. There's a few great ones out there. I just qualified as um, level one of a modality called Psych K. And um, that really just gets to the core of the subconscious mind. And, and it's a pretty cool technique to use alongside, you know, a lot, lot of other things. But um, <clears throat> it's all about, you know, tapping, tapping into that subconscious and letting go and reprogramming it and just and continuing on, you know, and building a better future for you and your children. Yeah. And it, and what's fascinating is like, what's the, at the core of one thing is generally at the core of other things. Right. And, mm -hmm. um, the sooner we get to know that I was thinking this morning about, um, the book, the body keeps the score. Yeah. And I was Absolutely. thinking about that book because, um, I've been, I've had a lot, I personally had a lot going on this month and, um, ran like really ran myself ragged like that old expression and also you know was dealing with my own grief cycle of an anniversary of anniversary dates of my parents and last night i went to bed and i felt so sick i was like i have covid i'm sure i have covid like i feel awful i haven't had it yet but um you know I, my head went right there and then i woke up this morning and I didn't have any of the symptoms that I had last night. And I thought to myself, yep, the body keeps the score. That mm -hmm. was a little reminder that is here that I need to think about what's going on here and here. Like they, you know, yeah. it's not a long distance between your head and yeah. your heart. So um, I, I absolutely love the work you're doing. And can you share as we come to the close of this. I could talk to you forever because I think this is a really fascinating topic and I don't I really don't think that women I think there's a lot of buy-in from women on the culture of infertility and the sort of blame and shame game and all of that and I just think that it's not this isn't happening, right? It's not happening as much as it should be. So I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about your programs and how people can access them. Yeah. So I'm at Finding Fertility Everywhere, my website, Instagram, TikTok, my podcast, um, lots of amazing content out there. And I always say, take what resonates with you because everyone has a different journey. And um, yeah, I have a group coaching program that um, takes you through the 10 or the it's a 10 week program, but it takes you through the six steps, uh, the diet, the um, exercise, rest and recovery, um, mindset, supplementation and awareness. So the awareness piece is really getting into the core of like where you need to hyper-focus your gut, your liver, your adrenals, um, all the different areas that are actually controlling your fertility. Um, and it's basically the same as I do to one-to-one, -one, but obviously it's just a little bit more hands-on one-to-one or, um, you know, a group coaching program, which has a live element. We do live group coachings uh, twice a month. So it's just a really, I want to make functional fertility affordable. You know, functional medicine is expensive because it's not covered by insurance. So not a lot of people have access to it. And I do not think it should be a class only uh, system. And so it is an investment, but it's probably the best investment you can make 
for yourself, um, not only to achieve a pregnancy, but to just achieve long lasting mental and emotional health through through motherhood. Because <laughs> yeah, that, that cycle, can mess you up. Right? One of my yes. closest friends is a, a, a postpartum doula. So it's like, I feel like, okay, uh, if when you hit whatever, start with you, then have a postpartum doula, then make sure you're paying attention to your marriage after you have children, right? There's this continuum of growth based on the yeah. season of your life. And the more that we take responsibility for that, you know, our life can be significantly improved. So thank you so much for being here today. Um, I will obviously put all the information about all of your resources in all of the show notes and on my website. And I have quite a few 30, early 30 somethings in my life that I think would love to learn more about you. Yeah, well, it's always bittersweet to have um, people come, but yes, um, it is life-changing if you allow it to be. I love it. Thank you, Monica, so much. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Think Courageously podcast with Deb cummins Stilato. I hope you enjoyed our show. My dream, my big dream is for us to start a movement to start a movement of women who are willing to think courageously. And it starts right here. So I'm asking you a favor today. After you listen to the show, please go on to your favorite podcast player and leave a review. Leaving a review enables other women to find us and to share in the magic that our guests bring to the show every week. It's important and it's important to the show's ratings and rankings. Secondly, if you have been motivated by what you've heard today on this show, please visit us at www.thethinkgoodcompany.com and learn about all the things that we do and all the services we offer to ignite potential in people and organizations. And finally, I'd love to invite you to my Facebook page, Think Courageously. This is a space where women come to share their thoughts and their feelings about thinking courageously. I hope you enjoyed the show. And as always, I appreciate your support and I appreciate your intention to live a life of thinking courageously. Thanks again.